of Parkland, people are going off half-cut and students are getting the worst of it. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist on Renegade Talk Radio. I'm here to help you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Well, we all know about the horrendous school shooting on Valentine's Day at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. It was horrendous. It was one of the worst, deadliest school massacres in the world. And 17 people were killed, 17 more were, were wounded, uh, all by the bullets from the gunman, a 19-year-old, named Nicholas Cruz. So it's understandable that um, it has created outrage and that people want to do something about this and try to make this the last school shooting in America. However, in all of the hysteria and all of the wounded, not just physically wounded, but wounded psychological um, you know, students who, who are wounded psychologically, uh, there is really people going off half-cocked, making suggestions that are not necessarily the best, and becoming vulnerable by people who want to co-opt them. Now, I'm going to explain all of this, but, um, you know, it is understandable that students still hearing the gunshots in their ears, the students at at uh, Mar Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, they're still, I mean, literally, because of PTSD, hearing gunshots in their ears. So it's understandable that they would think that if you take away the guns, if you ban guns, that there won't be any more incidents like the one that they just suffered through that was very traumatic. But that banning guns is not necessarily the best solution. In fact, I don't think it is the best solution at all. There are things that could be done in regard to guns, like uh, having a longer waiting period, um, having better screening, and so on, but that don't require banning. So everyone is in this state of hysteria and there isn't enough reflection going on about how to solve this multi-pronged problem of, of school shootings. It's not as simple as banning guns. And hey, there is the Second Amendment, hello, <laughs> you know, we are um, all allowed to bear arms according to the Constitution. So. However, this group, especially a small clique of uh, Parkland students, have taken it upon themselves and believe in their uh, traumatized psychological state, PTSD and grief, that in fact, by marching on Washington, creating these marches all over the United States, that they are going to be able to <laughs> um, take away the Second Amendment and ban school shootings, not just guns. Now, um, it's too simplistic. There, uh, there are other solutions, other parts of the solutions, other factors that create school shootings, namely mental health issues and entertainment violence, violent entertainment. 
And these are things that have to be taken, made part of the solution as well. So what is happening to these students? What's happening is that they are being co-opted by people who have their own agenda, people who want to ban guns. And they are using the students in their vulnerable psychological state to go along with their agendas. Now, these aren't all the students. There's at least one student who, and I'm sure there's more, but one that has spoken out, um, who do realize that banning guns isn't the solution. So I don't want to make it seem like every student um, in Parkland wants to ban guns, but certainly those are the ones who have gotten the loudest voices. Those are the ones who have gotten media time. So it seems like they have made it seem like they all the students at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and all the students in America want to ban guns. And in fact, you know, they have made, um, they have convinced, they have, because of their taking a stand, it's not just about them. Uh, there are going to be, you know, the March for Our Lives, this movement that they've created um, is going to be an, an, a national, a nationwide movement. So students in other schools have become convinced about this as well because you know i mean seriously um high school students have not seen enough of the world they have not been alive long enough to to be able to factor in all the complexities of what is the best solution to stop violence i mean you know it's great that they are taking a stand and getting more attention for this matter but um, they are not able because of they, you know, because of not having lived long enough, not having experienced enough, not having read enough about all of this um, to uh, to be able to come up with such a complex solution. So who is taking advantage of them? There are people who are, you know, who have their own agendas, who want to ban guns. Who are these people? They're the, you know, the people who before Parkland have set themselves up as groups who want to ban guns. There are, is also the women's movement, the women's march organizers, who are helping the students. Um, they have helped the students to organize the March for Our Lives. They um, are helping their, in fact, I just read today about a woman who um, is making uh, hats similar to the pussy hats from the Women's March. There are hats um, that, are, that have eyes on them <coughs> that are supposed to signify how the eyes of the world are supposed to be on these Parkland students and, and go along with banning guns, basically. It's, you know, they're not pink hats, I don't mean that, but it's the same knitted kind of hat, um, but with big eyes to show that the eyes of the world needs to stay on them and needs, and needs to be on the politicians who are for guns, or shall we say, against banning guns. And then, of course, the third group who has co-opted these students are the anti-Trump people, um, you know, half of America. And um, because he is seen as um, supporting 
supporting the Second Amendment. Hey, imagine that, a president supporting the Second Amendment. So there is so much anger in, the, in, in America right now, so much anti-Trump anger, I mean half of America, um, uh, that, that they are all jumping on these poor students and getting them to say things, you know, to, to, um, that would be against Trump. And, you know, against also the people who really are, have been even before Parkland for gun control uh, and so on. The, all these groups, these strong groups in the women's movement, these strong groups are taking advantage of these, of these psychologically traumatized kids and getting them to be their mouthpieces. Uh, I'm not saying that they are crisis actors, like has been said. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that they are pretend. <laughs> but I'm saying that in their psychological state, they, they are vulnerable to these other people's agendas. So, um, in fact, you know, the, the, um, the, there's been this click of kids from Parkland who have become media darlings and who are particularly on television and, and uh, uh, in the media, just in general. And what's interesting is um, I have some insight into, some connection to, an insight into the people at Parkland at the high school um, who aren't the media darlings. And quite frankly, there is a lot of um, anger uh, and jealousy about them and anger that their voices aren't being heard. Well, we're going to get back to that, and we're going to get back to, um, I'm going to explain to you what the psychological state is of these students that is making them vulnerable to, um, to being used as pawns by these groups, these other groups, for their own agendas. So when we come back, that's what we'll be talking about. Meanwhile, stay tuned. You're listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Well, as we were talking about, um, I'm go now going to go into the psychological problems that are making these kids in Parkland, the students, um, vulnerable to the agendas of other people. Basically, the people who want gun control, who want to ban guns and are... Uh, have fed the idea um, to these students that that would be the way to prevent future school shootings. Now, I am not taking anything away from these students who have been incredibly brave to go out there uh, after surviving such a trauma as uh, their school shooting with, with 17 people dead, 17 people injured, uh, more people wounded psychologically, pretty much all of them wounded psychologically. So it has been very brave for them to go out there and try to do something to fix the problem. But let me, now I'm going to, the two, the two psychological issues that are making them vulnerable, however, to the people who, you know, want to get their gun control agenda across are, are um, grief, the stages of grief, and PTSD. So let me first go through the stages of grief because that's, you know, that's what they are all suffering. It's grief for the losses of their friends, their classmates, their teachers, the staff, um, and loss of 
parkland of, of this high school being uh, free of any such problems in the past and parkland being a generally um, safe place to live it was sort of known for that so their whole world was shattered not only did they, they lose their friends and lose their the sense of safety in their school but the whole town their world has been shattered so there are five stages of grief denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance and you can go back sometimes it's a linear typically it's linear going from one to the other but you can sometimes go back to um, a previous stage for you know for minutes for an hour for weeks and you can kind of go back and forth but typically it's it's in this order so let's look at denial and these are these are um, ways that the mind protects itself in other words um, these denial in particular is uh, a way for people who have lost uh, someone or lost it, it, it could be losing a loved one or it could be losing it's even when you if you were to get a diagnosis for example a terminal diagnosis terminal illness um, you go through the stages of grief because you're grieving yourself you're grieving your life um, and that is going to be coming to an end um, you can grieve um, losses, serious losses, you know, people who lose their job, for example, after working at a place for a long time, or people who suffer, some lose their house, or <laughs> suffer some kind of very traumatic loss can also go through these stages of grief. But getting back to the students in Parkland, denial. Um, denial is the stage that helps someone going through a, a big loss to not to not understand it fully uh, at the first moment, at the moment that you hear of this loss, um, you it's it's too much to take in all at once. It's it's overwhelming. Um, so denial is a stage where where you you sort of hold back understanding the full force of whatever this traumatic loss is. Um, this the world becomes meaningless and it's overwhelming life makes no sense you're sort of in a cloud in a, you know you blur, in, in a blurred time um, you're going through shock you're, you go numb um, you you wonder how you can go on you don't want to with these new set of circumstances um, and you try to you get reduced to uh, having trouble getting through each day and um, it's a way of helping us pace our feelings of grief by not being every moment in full recognition of it. You know, perhaps you've um, had some kind of loss and you know what, what it feels like when you wake up in the morning. It's like all of a sudden, you know, you, you're half asleep and all of a sudden you wake up and you realize, oh God, you know, such and such happened. I mean, it doesn't have to be somebody's death even if it's something awful that happened the day before to you and you, you suddenly are back, it's conscious for you again. The next stage is anger. Now, um, anger is, um, you know, depending upon what the kind of loss is, 
um, it's like you it's a it really under what's underneath the anger is hurt is pain and instead of uh, expressing and feeling all of the pain you express it as anger now for the students in Parkland they have a lot of things to be angry at they have all the warning signs that were missed by um, by about Nicholas Cruz I mean it's it's just a whole laundry list since he was a little boy there were signs since he was a, a probably a toddler but certainly since he was a very little boy that he had tremendous psychological problems and yes his mother got him some therapy but she didn't really make him stay in therapy and then of course she died in November and there was no one to make him stay in therapy except should have been the therapist who should have locked him up uh, he should have been what's called in Florida Baker acting, committed involuntarily to a hospital, and this wouldn't have happened. So they have the anger um, at him and, and the, the, the sheriffs and the psych, psych, mental health professionals who didn't do their job, who were idiots, idiots in my opinion. I think they all should be fired because they totally missed, there were times when they came out with the sheriffs and they totally missed um, the house how sick he was and uh how serious he, he seriously psychologically impaired he was and how he should have been put in the hospital they ha they have anger um, that should be directed at the sheriffs who stood outside the door and didn't go into the high school uh, to stop the shooting they they have anger at the school for not having a better um being better prepared for having um not had a better plan for this kind of thing uh, to happen. There are lots of different people that they can have realistic anger at, validated anger. And um, yet what they're doing is directing this anger at guns. You know, that's what we should do. We should, um, we should get away with guns. We should, you know, um, and, and, and directing the anger at the politicians, both in Florida and of course at Trump. So, um, and that's the anger that I'm talking about that has been co-opted by the people, the, the gun control people, and by the media um, who wants them to, uh, gives them an opportunity to express their, uh, their, you know, their platform of gun control. The next stage is bargaining. After a loss, bargaining um, is where you sort of, uh, you know, say, make these, you know, with God, typically, it's uh, with yourself, with God, with um, a higher power, you know, you, you say, if I do this, will you do this? How about, like, a typical one is, what if I devote the rest of my life to helping others? Then can I wake up and realize that this has all been a bad dream? And in a sense, that's what they're doing, you know? Um, if, I, if I devote my life to having this uh, march, getting rid of guns, will you make this go away? Um, so what we're doing in bargaining is trying to get what we had back, trying to get life back to what it was. Um, and, you know, pretending that we um, wanted to stop whatever it was that happened from happening, being able to, like, it's like rewind. Uh, and guilt is often the companion of bargaining. You know, of course these kids are going to have a lot of guilt because um, for not doing something to, for survivor guilt, first of all, and then um, guilt for uh, not having done more to protect 
their classmates. Well, we're coming to the end um, of this portion of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk more about grief and about PTSD and all of these things that make the students vulnerable to having, uh, to being co-opted by the people who have their own agendas. So stay tuned. You're listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Well, before the break, we were talking about uh, the stages of grief um, as an explanation for why, uh, part of the reason why the students at, uh, in Parkland are in a vulnerable psychological state and how they have been easily co-opted by the people who had other agendas. Um, and so I was talking, about, I talked about denial, anger, bargaining. Now I'm going to tell you about the last two stages, depression and acceptance. So depression is when you get to um, more fully realize the loss and more fully feel sad about it. You feel empty. You realize um, what the world is going to be like without either the person you loved in it, like the students, their friends in Parkland, um, or, uh, you know, what you feel alone, you feel, how am I going to go on with this loss? And it really hits you. It's the stage, the fourth stage, when things really hit you and you really feel the sadness. Now, the next stage, the fifth stage is acceptance. And... Um, <sighs> It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that you forget about the people that you lost or that you love them any less, but um, because, you know, you will always miss them. There's always sort of a pain in your heart. Um, I lost my father, for example, when I was 20 years old, suddenly due to a heart attack. And I, there's always a pain in my heart um, missing that, missing him, uh, wishing that he were around when something happens where, you know, I think, oh, I wish I could tell him about that. So it's not like you totally feel, you know, fabulous and have no problems, but it's coming to terms with it. It's realizing that um, there's a new reality that's permanent, that you can't go back, you can't rewind, and you're not going to like it, this new reality but you realize that you have to accept it and you sort of start to readjust and start doing things to make yourself uh, feel better, you know, taking better care of yourself and um, doing things to make life worth living again, finding new things. Now, these stages, um, by the way, were developed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in 1969. They came out in her book called On Death and Dying, which is a classic. So now let me tell you about, on top of uh, grief, going through grief, uh, the students at the high school in Parkland, of course, are going through post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, in, to have post-traumatic stress disorder, you have to be exposed to a traumatic event in which you witnessed uh, or were confronted with events and felt um, that was life-threatening and where you felt intense fear or helplessness or horror. Now, it has been shown that um, this can even come through the media uh, because, for example, they found this out after 9-11 that people who weren't there 
but who kept watching it on television um, were, had a form of PTSD. So the symptoms that people get when they have PTSD um, are that they re-experience in one form of another the traumatic event, such as they can have uh, intrusive memories of it, thoughts about it, uh, pictures, you know, some of the students from Parkland have been talking about how they, they still see what uh, the, the, their friends lying on the floor all bloodied, they still see the gunman. Um, so you have these kinds of ongoing intrusive uh, memories and also dreams, nightmares. And then sometimes when a, a serious form, and this is more like for people who are veterans, um, you can actually have an experience where you feel that you're reliving the experience. You know, like typically it would be veterans who hear an airplane and duck, you know, because they feel that they're in the war zone still. Um, then there can also be an intense reaction when you just are exposed to things that remind you of the traumatic event. Um, for example, obviously news reports on television would be a good example of that. Then another part of it is avoidance. And you try to avoid uh, things that you associate to the traumatic event. Like you try to avoid these thoughts or feelings or conversations about it. Uh, you try to avoid activities, places or people that remind you of it. Sometimes you can't recall an important aspect of what happened. You get um, less, you're less interested in participating in things in your life that you used to participate in. You have um, what's called a restricted range of affect. In other words, your feelings, uh, bad feelings, good feelings aren't as strong as they were. And you have a sense of a foreshortened future, um, you know, where you start thinking that you're not going to live as long. Then you can have other kinds of symptoms like difficulty falling or staying asleep, irritability or outbursts of anger, difficulty concentrating, hypervigilance, an exaggerated startle response. So if you hear a noise um, that wouldn't have startled you before, you know, a car backfiring, all of a sudden it reminds you of the gunfire, for example, for those students. Now, I know I was saying um, for in terms of the avoidance symptoms, you know, avoid trying to avoid thoughts or feelings or memories uh, related to the trauma. And you're wondering, you know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, how are these students going on television and talking about um, or organizing the march and talking about it, you know, having it being be their overwhelming thought for the day. I mean, that's what they're focusing on. So how is that? Well, it's because it's what's called a counterphobic reaction. Um, they, you know, it's sort of a mixture of this grief and, and PTSD. And the anger is kind of taking over and causing them to have a counterphobic reaction to, to, um, their memories and so on. It's, it's, you know, so, so what does this tell you? It tells you that there's a lot going on in their psyche. And this is a very difficult time. And quite frankly, it's a time when they should be, when, well, when they, when they should be in therapy. Um, you know, actually I have heard uh, by being in contact with the people in Parkland that the, you know, typically for school shootings, there are grief counselors that come in um, to help them. 
And um, they found that the students weren't really taking in the counseling because of this anger and because of this sort of combination of PTSD and, and grief and, and anger. The, the, the fact that they are allowing their anger to be the overwhelming emotion, regardless of, you know, whatever you want to call the diagnosis. Um, again, I, I'm not talking about everybody in Parkland, every student, but the ones who are most vocal and most evident um, are allowing their anger to, to, um, to take over. Now, is it good that students are going to be um, walking, you know, taking a stand and wanting uh, there to be more safety in schools? Absolutely. But again, so the March, you know, March 24th, 2018, the March for Our Lives is a good thing. However, um, not necessarily if it's going to just focus on banning guns um, and not to the extent that it is echoing, parroting, aping the people who have their own agendas for gun control. The, the solution to school violence is much more complex and includes there being much better mental health, much better rec earlier recognition of kids who need to have mental health treatment, and um, and of course um, changing uh, exposure to violent entertainment. And um, that is something I, I am I'm worried um, that that those other things are being neglected. And um, the focus is just on banning guns. Oh, that'll take care of the problem. And it won't. And, um, and, and also, you know, this whole anti-Trump sentiment being, uh, they're being co-opted by the anti-Trump people um, is really very sad. So I think they're brave. Um, I just wish, <laughs> I wish they would be in therapy so that they would understand why they're doing what they're doing and, and that they can get help. I saw a mother, an interview of a mother of one of these students on television, and um, she recognized, she said she's worried about what's going to happen when her student, when her son crashes. He was one of the ones that's very vocal, you know, going in the media and so on. And, you know, she, although she thinks that he's brave for doing that, as I do, uh, she's worried what happens when her crashes. Because that's the bottom line. When these students who are out there and caught up in their anger, caught up in being co-opted, uh, finally crash and get to, the, to that stage of, of depression, uh, that is going to be a big fall. And I hope that there are plans being made, that I hope they're getting therapy now so that the fall isn't devastating as it could be. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Please go to my website, uh, terroristtherapist.com, for more information because, you know, as I've said, this is a, a form of terrorism. He certainly created, the school shooter certainly created terror and also, um, you can be helped by going to the, um, the by getting my book, uh, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror, um, which is wherever books are sold. <laughs>